Hello, and then this is episode 11 of Tic Tac Talk. We are doing an episode on messaging. I'm Candice. I am Rob. And uh, how's it going, Rob? I kind of went out of the order. <laughs> I haven't done this in a while. No, no problem. I mean, Candice is alphabetically first. Uh, I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. And so this will be a kind of a fun episode. We were discussing a little bit right before we start recording, but it is messaging as a whole, which I think is pretty near and dear to us. The best way to kind of lead into the conversation is we did receive a question from a listener. And if you want to send any more questions to us, um, you can find us at tictactalkshow at gmail.com. But the question is, have you used any of Facebook's features such as voice and video calls, sending money, ordering an Uber or Lyft, and sharing a Spotify song? So I think this all alludes to how Facebook is really investing a lot of uh, functionality into their messenger platform, Mm -hmm. even with yesterday's announcement that you can do a voice call with up to 50 people in one chat. And so I guess the easy question to ask you, Rob, is do you use Facebook Messenger? I do use Facebook Messenger. I am one of the billions. Oh, the billions that use Facebook Messenger. And it's kind of weird to think how much it's changed um, as a product, even the last couple of years, or even when we were in high school. It used to be just this one utility that you would see on your Facebook profile. It was very limited. Um, There wasn't even, I think, any emoticons. And now looking as college students, it's so integral in our communications. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I was talking about this earlier, but... At least at our school, Facebook is kind of like the underlying network that links every student. You know, everybody's on it. RPI, I know, has a network on Facebook. So you actually log into the RPI network and you're linked to hundreds and hundreds of people. Every class has a page. Every club has a page. There's groups for free and for sale, for overheard things. If, if there's something funny that happens and it's really funny, the mm-hmm. whole campus will know about it in a matter of hours, which is pretty amazing. I think it kind of goes back to the, like, the humble roots of what Facebook was, right? It came out of the Harvard campus and you had to have a .edu email address. And so like, I feel like it hasn't really veered away, but I feel like a college campus is like that perfect environment to have this type of social network. Everyone geographically is really close. Everyone has that, the, the same end goal, at least, to like attain the education. So everyone's willing to network and communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Facebook Messenger, I guess... Um, the first question is, have you used the voice or video calling, I guess, in Messenger? I have, actually. I use it um, pretty frequently. It's it's really convenient, and um, as a person in a res life position, it's really great. We had a resident go to the hospital once in the beginning of the year. Um, nothing big, just, like, dehydrated or something. But somebody wants to call her and check in on her. Um, none of us had her phone number, so I was like, oh, I'll just call her on Facebook Messenger. So it was probably a little weird, but... Um, there's caller ID because it's Facebook Messenger. You know who's calling you. They're your Facebook friend. And they just saw my name ring their phone. They picked it up and they told me they were fine. So it was a really great way just to check in, see how they were doing, and not be weird about it. And the weird thing is now a couple times in the last couple of weeks where we've been trying out these new social networks that require the phone number, I've realized I've, I don't have phone numbers of a lot of core people because my main way of communicating them is just through Messenger. Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't ask people's phone numbers anymore. Whenever I want to contact someone, I just look them on Facebook and do it. Like, there's no more awkward contact f- trying to connect. It's so people. cumbersome, right? Like, oh, what's your phone number? Okay, I'm going to put it in. All right, I'm going to send you a text. No, no, wait, I'll send you a text. No, I'll call you real quick. Instead, it's like, oh, I'll add you on Facebook. Yeah. And then that way I can just message you instantly, be able to call you and send you all this stuff. And you don't even need to be their friend to call them, I think. Yeah, so now... Which is really weird. I think so. I think this comes with a part where Facebook bought WhatsApp, which is a really, it was a big acquisition, I think, a couple of years ago. And I think they're trying to really build out the messenger platform as their own standalone utility. So you don't need a Facebook account at this point to mm-hmm. have a messenger account to be able to message a messenger. And recently they added like those snap codes. So if you wanted to add someone really quickly on messenger, you can like snap this like special barcode that's circular to add people really quickly. Now, I have a question for you. Did you consider WhatsApp like, well, I guess I do in a way, but... Um, do you consider WhatsApp a primary competitor to Facebook Messenger? I mean, now they're the same, but did yeah. you consider them? Um, it's a weird situation for me because uh, WhatsApp played a really integral com- uh, part of communication for my family. So I have some family that live abroad in like Canada, and then my brother and sister-in-law lived in Hong Kong. And so before Facebook Messenger and iMessage really became a main utility, WhatsApp was the only real solution, right? It was the alternative to text that you could use data with so you didn't receive those charges. I think at this point, the development of WhatsApp has stagnated so much because Facebook is allotting so much of their resources towards Messenger. Um, I don't really see a benefit. I think at this point, they announced that WhatsApp is now encrypted fully and stuff, and so people are really into that. They can use that, but there's also other services that are, I think, even more secure or even more focused on privacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting because um, that's that's a very good point that it used to be the de facto service for data-based messaging as opposed to text. Um, And I think that really says a lot about the state of messaging right now. You know, we don't even think of WhatsApp as a competitor to Facebook Messenger. There really is no 
big competitor in terms of mm-hmm. mass messaging. There's iMessage, I think, which has a significant following, but even then, I feel like it's kind of staying to the wayside of Facebook. The only major competitor that I can think of, um, I, I guess iMessage would probably be my third, and number two, I'd say Snapchat. Oh, so how often do you use Snapchat chatting? Because it's always still just like a little, it's like an additional feature, but I don't rely on it at all. It's always for that quick interaction. Snapchat's really interesting in some ways, and um, I don't mean to detract from Messenger because there's a lot to say about Messenger, but I feel like Snapchat has, it's really weird because Facebook used to be this place where you'd post stuff and it was all super public. Mm-hmm. And Snapchat used to be this place where everything was private one-to-one communication. And Facebook for me has switched to this messaging platform only where it's all one-to-one communication. Yeah. And Snapchat, I'm posting stories for everyone to see. And when they post a story, I can now comment on them. Like my friend posted a picture today of his broken leg and I was like, oh my God, what happened? You know, yeah. that used to be a Facebook interaction. Now it's a Snapchat interaction. And it is still intimate, I guess. You know, like not everybody saw that I posted this, but he put that story out to the world. Yeah. And the paradigm there with like what is social, like sharing like one-to-many yeah. versus one-to-one is really interesting. And I do use the messaging features on Snapchat, mm-hmm. especially with the most recent update. I think what they're doing with the video chats, making it so quick and easy is really cool. Yeah, and just like it's it's so light and like light and easy. I think Facebook and Instagram have turned this thing where like you have to practice being your own PR person. Mm-hmm. I think our generation, everyone below us, like learns that you have to have this like, idealist sense of your life. And there's so much pressure to post the status or the image that will get you a lot of likes. Whereas Snapchat is so quick and it dissolves in 24 hours that there's a lot less risk in terms yeah. of posting something. Yeah, I definitely feel that it's much more relaxed. And the features they're adding now with like the emojis that will be static in the image, I think are really interesting. It's like, you know, this is like a pretty advanced video. If you wanted to add that in like Premiere or something, it's not trivial, I'd say. It's it's not the hardest thing, but it's, you know, these are getting some pretty complex videos fast forwarding backwards. So it's really interesting to see how creative you can be Mm -hmm. within that 10 second video. And I, I think it's super interesting how like, you know, expressive, it's gone so much beyond just like a line of text, but it's still the same core platform. Yeah, I never, like, I think I signed up for Snapchat about four years ago now when I was a freshman in college, and I thought it was so stupid. I thought the design was really poor. I didn't really understand the purpose of it. And there was always this, like, um, bias against it because it was meant for, like, kids and sexting and all this bad stuff. And now it's kind of morphed into this thing where now all the major brands are telling, like, hey, follow us on Snapchat. And it's kind of become what, like, Facebook and Twitter was at one point. It used to be a very intimate social experience with your friends, and then these brands overtook it. I love it. I think the branding on it, you know, it's great because it's all opt-in as opposed to some of the other ones where they're pushing ads yeah. into your newsfeed. You have the option to go and explore these stories, but Snapchat can also be intimate with your friends too. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking to that point, I heard MTV Cribs is being revitalized as a Snapchat story, as Over. a Discover story. So that to me was like, wow, they're bringing a whole TV series and transforming it into a Discover story. Like, I think that speaks to, you know, just the breadth of this audience. Like, you have wall street journal to mtv like it's your all-in-one media source you can just click and easily consume video video like that i think it's really powerful it's crazy to think how like our attention span has grown so much smaller that like we first started with like the idea of youtube and like these longer videos and then we started relying on instagram video and vine for these short bursts and now they're even shorter they're like one tap of going through all these videos yeah it's really interesting and i never expected myself to be so addicted to it or fall into that trap but it's so easy to just go through everyone's story um, but I guess going really quickly back to Messenger, um, was there any other functionality that you really relied on? I know one time we tried the uh, sending money feature mm-hmm. on Messenger. Um, I wish Facebook would kill off Venmo. Yeah. For I don't like having a second app when Facebook's utility is is just the same. Yeah, I prefer the Facebook Messenger version of sending money as well. Um, it just seems much more seamless and easy, and I didn't get a fee for using my debit card like I did with the Venmo. Um, but I can like. I've noticed a lot of my friends when I ask them for a choice, they go to Venmo because um, even though they have both apps installed, they don't like giving Facebook their credit card for some reason. Which is weird because they're so comfortable with giving their credit card information to like a pretty much unknown company. And if you didn't really know the name Venmo when you got to college and stuff, like it's like this no-name brand really. Yeah, I mean, not to discredit Venmo, I'm sure they're doing a lot for security, but Facebook is a Fortune 500 company. Like, yeah. there's major resources put into the security here. Um, and, you know, while they are based on giving away your data and selling to advertisers, they're not going to give advertisers your credit card. They can't yeah. sell you something based on those digits. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And I think that perception of Facebook still is like the big brother 
is still there, which is hurting them. But I hope it goes away because I think that's a little um, irrational yeah. on that one issue. But the Sweet Setup, which is a website I follow, they do like to do reviews similar to the Wirecutter, but they do it in terms of software. And they just actually this week appropriately did a review of their best peer-to-peer money transferring service. Um, and they actually ranked Venmo as one of their last choices because really? Venmo recently has had a history of um, credit card numbers being stolen and security breaches. They actually recommend Square Cash. Uh, which is really interesting. I love Square Cash, but the issue is no one's on it. Mm-hmm. Um, they recommend, I think, PayPal as the second one. I really want to send money over Snapchat. I've never done it, but I've heard when you do it, you make it rain on someone. Like That made me really uncomfortable when it first came <laughs> out. I wasn't sure how it felt. I was like, if other people did it, I guess I would have joined. It's like that kind of following the herd, but everyone thought it was kind of ridiculous, which is weird because they don't trust Snapchat and they don't trust Facebook, but they trust once again, it's a kind of unknown name that really has no other yeah. utility but to send money. And to be fair, I wouldn't place most of my trust in Snapchat as I would with Facebook, but I'm just curious because I think, you know, like in that way and the way Facebook adds like the decorations too, they make it very fun and almost gamified. And even the way Venmo has like that social money feed, which is very weird to think about. Like yeah. Sharing your purchases with the world or your friends. Like in what other like what other online presence do you share the amount of money that's being transferred between people right like you yeah. don't you can't post your bank statement and things like that too maybe that's the best idea for a new social network i've ever heard is that so do you <laughs> think that they, the way that they like socialized money transferring is that the reason why venmo picked up so much steam yeah i don't know i think in a way it kind of creates um a sense of legitimacy like you use it your first time you're like oh i don't know but you log in and you see all these friends already using it yeah you know? so it's like oh okay well if XYZ are using it, then I must be in good company. Um, but, you know, I, obviously it was hard to get to that point. But when it came out, I guess it was kind of the only game in town. So I think, I think yes, it does help them. Um, it's, it, is it weird? Yes. But it does also work to make me more confident that the service is reliable. And again, you know, a gut feeling isn't their best way to rate software security in the yeah. first place. But um, as a naive consumer, I think that helps. And so the last two features of uh, Facebook Messenger that was asked was ordering an Uber slash Lyft um, and sharing a Spotify song. So have you done either of those things? Uh, I actually have not. I'm not a Spotify subscriber, and Uber and Lyft are not available in Albany, New York, so no. Yeah, so we're both kind of nose <laughs> on this. I'm not sure if I would rely on Facebook Messenger and using uh, ordering Uber or Lyft. I haven't done it enough where I'm comfortable with it as a service yet to really have go through almost like a bot or through a chat. I still prefer to use the app itself for the maps and stuff. But I can see myself one day if I live in a, a more major metro area, mm-hmm. getting so comfortable with the service and knowing what I'm ordering, that'd be so much easier to just to send a message. Mm, especially if you're like in a group chat already, I can see that. Speaking of bots, do you want to touch on that? I know they came up with a big bot update at F8 last week. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I, like, I guess my understanding, I told you earlier, but I, my understanding of what a bot is and what they're trying to position a bot is to be in 2016 is pretty much just a friendlier and forward-facing API, right? So we learned about like in our IT curriculum what APIs are and how you interact with a system through lines of code. So this is just the equivalent. And I think the idea of it and the concept of it is really great, especially I'm pretty much a millennial that hates talking on the phone. So this idea where you can contact customer service directly through Facebook Messenger, where I'm already doing a lot of my communication, I really like. But for some things that they're doing, like ordering flowers, I feel like they're reducing those actions so much that it's so much slower than just going onto the website. I think they have to be really tasteful in what they choose to make yeah, a bot. I definitely agree. I think I, I bought into the bot hype like pretty hard. I was really excited for this. And then when it came out, I tried a couple, and I just couldn't see myself using any of them. I mean, the idea of a bot is really cool. I think the idea that, like, you could hop on and message a business and, like, get feedback with them is great. But until natural language processing catches up to the yeah. power of an API, like, they're just, it's its so frustrating. Because nobody's going to learn these key phrases to tell 1-800-Flowers to get their order right. And these are not advanced enough where, you know how Microsoft demo that theory where Cortana's kind of like your intermediate bot where it would go out and reach out to these services and it was really good interpreting. Like that layer of understanding is not there yet at yeah. any point, especially with the Facebook bots. But which ones have you tried? I know we kind of tried a couple together. Oh, I've tried, um, I tried, uh, what's his name? The little cat guy. Poncho. Poncho, yeah. Thank you, Selena. So we all have tried Poncho, which is the weather bot. And so it's a very basic one where you can ask it for its weather. You can put in your zip code and it'll ask you uh, how frequently you want updates from it. Um, for all of us, I think our experiences have been pretty inconsistent. 
Um, we've asked for daily updates, and sometimes Poncho never messages us. Sometimes Poncho's a little overexcited. Um, and it's a lot slower than getting the weather. And for me, when I like to see the weather, sometimes I like to see like a seven-day map. And so I would just go back to my, my weather app anyway. Yeah, I set up Poncho, and I set up with you last week. He messaged me for the first time today. Go figure. And he sends me a GIF or something. It looked just like a blank screen. And this paragraph explaining the weather to me with, like, jokes and stuff. And I immediately just said stop. Like, it, it's very cute and it's pretty cool, I guess. But when I want the weather, you know, I just want to know the weather and I want to yeah. get out of there. And putting it inside Facebook Messenger is a cool idea. But, like, it's a cool proof of concept, I guess. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, as somebody who does software development, I've been trying to work and make my own bot. Um, I wanted to make a water reminder app. So, like, it would just message you and you would get a reminder to drink water. Um so, like, looking at their platform, like, from that aspect, yeah. um, I don't want to get too technical, but, like, it looks really cool. Like, it's really, really simple to make these applications. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, they've been overhyped as, like, this future of all services, and it, it's just not quite there. Like, the companies need to build out so much stuff yeah. to get them to that point. I That's feel like we're back to, like, an App Store 1.0, right? Where, mm -hmm. like, everything was, like, a Safari web clip, and, like, it was so basic, and it was so frustrating to use, and you just have to play the wait game where you just have to wait for them to really increase. Yeah, for this to kick off, there's going to have to be a lot more integration. I think the much more interesting stuff is the integrations we were talking about before, at least right now, like Spotify, um, the Dropbox integration that just came out, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and just for me, it's, yeah, I, like, I don't want every interaction I want with my computer through a bot. I think that's unnecessary. And, like, there's a reason why we have the web and HTML and CSS. Like, I have, like, a very graphical interface. I don't always like to chat. But I hope, like, more companies get on it because I think one of my biggest hindrances, we are talking about, like, doing rebates, doing returns, and doing customer service. All of this could be alleviated by just being able to type it out and communicate. I, I usually, when I contact customer service, for if they have a chat option, I usually use it, like, especially for Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely see the promise there. And I think like being able to communicate with the business textually could be really big. So I hope they continue down this path. But right now it's kind of, it's okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so on to, is there anything else that you want to talk about for Facebook Messenger as a product? Facebook Messenger is really great. Um, I still wish more people would just like, if we could all pick one, <laughs> texting, iMessage, Facebook Messenger, but that's never going to happen. I think Facebook Messenger is the closest one though, right? Yeah. I think like there's never going to be everyone's, not everyone's going to be on iMessage, obviously, because it's an iOS, currently an iOS exclusive, and I'm not sure whether or not. Do you think Apple will ever open up iMessage? No, I don't think that invested in the messaging game, unless they make a big play for bots this year at WWDC or something. But um, I don't really know. I, you know, I can't. I'm only kind of guessing, but I would be surprised. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like people always like to make the argument now. Well, like Apple Music is now on Android, but I think that they only kept it on Android or they put it on Android because they already had an existing code base. That's the reason why they bought Beats. Like I think they bought it for the hardware side of it, of course. But I think a major part was the streaming service, and they already had that code base. So they kind of just had to reskin it. But I imagine a lot of the the core implementation of Beats Music was moved over to Apple Music. I heard a really interesting take from, uh, I think it was Nilay Patel, um, somebody on The Verge, how, um, so they're talking about Apple Music coming out, uh, which is uh, a pretty good product. I use it, um, you know, that's uh, tangential, but how it doesn't matter if it's the best or worst product you've ever used. The purpose of Apple Music is to be a feature on the iPhone, you know? Yeah. And the same with Apple News. It's just a feature on the iPhone because a lot of people just keep it with a default set of apps. Mm -hmm. So, like, looking through the lens of, like, iMessage is a feature on the iPhone, I don't know how important that, like, third-party interactions are. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be much more interested to see, like, if they would do that with, like, Siri or something because that's more, like... There was a promise at one point, too, that opened up the FaceTime API. When it yeah. first came out, they said that companies and apps could go into FaceTime and use it. But at this point, still, it's been closed. Yeah, so, I, you know, it's, it's really a toss-up. I think it, it depends on what they consider, like, the features they want to add to the phone, um, how they want to build it out. And right now, I think it's really hard to tell because they're always, you know, they're usually not the first ones to market with a lot of these things. They're usually the ones that hit it right when it's at its maturity and then really profit. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but anything about iMessage that you want to talk about? I know you've come back to the iPhone, so you've been on the iPhone since September, right? Yeah. Is that the right date? Is there anything that you want to talk about iMessage? I actually have not used it as much as I'd want to. Um, I use it mostly with this family and stuff like that. Um, it's really good. I like that you can switch between 
uh, texting and iMessage. I think that's actually like a killer feature because you don't always have a strong internet connection. So that's really great. Um, I like some of the add-ins they've done with like the holding down the camera button and stuff like that. Like I'm really a fan of iMessage and I really like it. But like you've said, there's so many people on Facebook Messenger, so I'm forced to use both. And it's like fragmented. I think the one thing too for like family members, for me, it like makes it makes a lot of the borders between people in different countries borderless. Like because if you give mm. someone who's elderly or someone who's not comfortable with technology that lives far away, you just tell them you message me the same exact way that you message anyone else close by you. Yeah. And so you don't have to think about oh I have to use WhatsApp because I'm regional or I have to use Facebook Messenger. It kind of completely makes the messaging so much more seamless, especially where beyond international borders. And I think that's what killed off a lot of WhatsApp usage in my own family because they mainly relied on it before iMessage really came out. And now they're like, what's the point? Mm. That's a really good perspective to have on iMessage. I think that's a much better use case, you know, and there's there's such a good reason to use it and it is a good service. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see which one kind of wins out. Um, I really like it. I think the stuff they've added is really great. And I like the way it integrates with systems a little better. Like I don't always like keeping a Facebook window open. Um, it's yeah. just very distracting. I like the messaging thing. I can just get in and get out. It's I For that reason, I'd say it's probably my messaging service of choice. But, you know, there's so much more integrations with Facebook and some of our people yeah. are attached to that whole network. So it's good to have both. Speaking of which, like how you interact with Facebook Messenger, I guess going back to it really quickly, how do you use it? Because there's a couple of different ways of accessing it. You can do it through the face, like Facebook.com and have it as those little windows next to your main feed. Mm-hmm. There's also now Messenger.com, which came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, and then I've been using something a little bit different, but I'll ask you first. Yeah, I, I want to ask you what your thoughts are on, um, on Franz. Not to take your thunder. <laughs> um, I mostly use Messenger.com. Uh, like I said, I like to keep the distractions kind of to a minimum. If I can, mm-hmm. um, I also really like the mobile interface. So sometimes I'll just keep my phone by me and pick that up every now and then. But um, unless I'm using Facebook for something else, I typically try to keep it to the Messenger.com tab. I really like the design, and it's just simple. Yeah. But Facebook.com is a little bit more featureful, which is important. Like yeah. you can send whole files on it, which is nice. Yeah, you're right. Um, I had the same problem. I think in high school, I started re- really relying on Messenger, but I hated having uh, having my Facebook window open because it's so distracting. I think it's really bad for productivity and like yeah. feeds in this like habit where you can't keep focus. Um, so when they didn't come out with Messenger, it wasn't actually that long ago that they no. had, they came out with just the Messenger. They bought it from Microsoft, I think. Oh, they bought the Messenger domain from Microsoft. I'll have to look that up, but I I believe it was Microsoft. Yeah, that was a godsend because I think for me especially, I'm definitely one of those target people where I've been using Facebook.com a lot, lot less relying more on messenger uh, but now at this one i'm using an app called franz or franz mm-hmm. um, as a climb will include a link down below and they actually just recently came out with a 2.0 update includes uh, windows linux and mac os 10. Um, so i use it obviously on my mac and the great thing is you're able to add um, a lot of different services so for me i include facebook messenger slack skype uh, we also include things like WhatsApp, GroupMe, a lot of the main ones. It's pretty much just a fancy web wrapper, so it just takes all the web versions of your favorite clients, puts it into this window that is native on your computer, and then handles you know like the little notifier, a little indicator, really well. Beforehand, I was struggling to find a good Facebook Messenger client on my Mac, so I didn't have to rely on the browser. Because sometimes, have you ever done that thing where you hit Command Q and a whole bunch of stuff, and then you close, do Command Q on your browser, and everything is just gone, and you feel completely lost? Yeah, I do that, that kept happening with the browser. I mean, like me and Safari, or me and Chrome. So I like having a client on my computer. Interesting. I've kind of gone about that command Q crisis by having two browsers. I use Chrome for work and then Safari for like messaging. So I close it. It's just the one. Um, Candace tried to sell me on Franz and I almost did it. But the thing, I, I, I don't love the aggregators. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I guess maybe I've been burned by some bad experiences. When I was on Windows Phone, their big thing was the hubs, which were really great when it first came out. Yeah. But then as new features rolled out, you were outdated and things would just slowly start to break, you know, to get unrecognized characters and stuff like that. Um, and I kind of am a fan of just the native experience. Like, yeah. everything's there. It's very featureful. Um, I would imagine with a web wrapper, it's probably very similar in front. Franz, Franz. Yeah, that's my <laughs> one argument against fearing it going away because I think a lot of these companies are going to be very... They're going to be very tied to web. They're going to be okay with it because it allows a more more people to join it, right? In the end, they just want, they want the network effect to happen. There weren't as many people using it. So if they build for the web and they keep with modern tools, it's just going to update with the newest web version. It's pretty much Safari in the window with the notifiers. Yeah. Um, so I, I maybe. I guess also I don't think I'm, I use Slack as often as you. Most of my messages... <laughs> Most of my teams that I use Slack with still like to use Facebook Messenger, which oh, is really? kind of frustrating because I like to keep it, you know, organized on the topic. Um, I have a couple group me's, but they're not that active. 
And my Facebook Messenger is pretty active, but I have like way too many conversations. So for that reason, I kind of opted out, but I know you're pretty active on Slack, so it makes a lot of sense. I only have like two main projects right now for me um, during the semester that I have to rely on it. I think the other thing I hate is just having all these doc, uh, doc icons on my Mac. So I would, at one point I had the mess like a Messenger one that I used for a while using Fluid. I had one for Slack, I had one for Skype, um, all these different services. And uh, I just didn't like the clutter and I feel like I didn't need um, all those um, all those applications where I call it be consolidated. And then I just don't want to also rely on my web browser, you know, taking up four tabs. Mm, I guess the difference between you and me, I hide the docs, so I don't even worry about the notifications. So that makes a lot more sense why you really wanted um, uh, friends. I've and <laughs> tried so many times to hide the doc, and I'm just not used to it. I can't mm. do it. Makes sense. Makes sense. That's a good reason, though. Okay, so um, on next one on our list, we kind of touched upon it a little bit, but Slack. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts? I love Slack. Um, when I first saw the video, so there to go back a little bit. Um, the first time I ever saw Slack, I think was a, it was a sandwich video. And so Sandwich Videos is a company that was actually featured on The Verge um, as one of their documentary series. But they're a video production company that instead of charging startups like a standard rate for making these great videos, they take equity of the company as payment. So that's the whole business model. It's actually kind of really interesting. Um, but the video kind of sold me on all these different integrations with like Google Drive um, and stuff. So I think the biggest thing is I think Slack focused on the messaging as a product so well that I wish that everyone I knew was on Slack. Uh, and it's been a major component in a lot of our uh, my productivity uh, for group projects and stuff like that. But what are your, what's your stance on Slack? I think Slack is really cool. I love the fact that there's the integrations and stuff. Um, that said, I feel like I need a formal Slack tutorial. I've used it right now for like a couple of projects, but even then, I feel like I'm just not using it efficiently. Like, there's so much you can do inside of Slack, and it's it's one of those things where you know it's a very minimal interface, very interaction driven. Where you know if you want to do something, you kind of just do it. But the discoverability of what you can do mm -hmm. is not very obvious, at least to me. There's there's so much stuff I feel like you can do aside yeah. from just the course sharing documents and talking, the different channels. And I'm always, um, and this kind of speaks to like the way I like to keep things organized. You know, I want things to be like the way they're supposed to be. And I'm like, oh, we don't need all these private messages and all these private channels yeah. and all these other channels. Like that drives me crazy. Um, I think it's really cool and really powerful. So like, mm -hmm. I really like the service. But I'm always wondering if I'm using it correctly, if that makes sense. I think that's one of the pitfalls where a lot, a lot of times for us as a college student, we set them up ourselves. But I think if we go into a company that's already set it up, there's going to be like expectations and processes. True, true. Um, for Slack. And I think Slack, you're, I think you're exactly right. I think it kind of falls into the same pitfall where a lot of people download Evernote and they're so overwhelmed with the functionality or this ideal image of what it's supposed to be that they stop using it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think as you take it as the way it is or you... You modify it to what you need, and then you make sure you set expectations. Because like sometimes it's not a technology problem, right? It's like a processes problem, or people don't know how to use something. You have to set those expectations. And yeah. I think it's really easy to fall into a pitfall with Slack. That's true. And like I think Slack is also definitely better designed for certain projects. Like for tech projects or anything with coding, Slack is awesome. The way it can integrate with all those services, so you're notified right there, and people commit and push. Um, you can get kind of like overloaded with notifications, but. I think that's really cool and really powerful and like can update you with your progress. Um, for regular projects, like we use one for our club organization, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's cool, like you can set up a club calendar instead of going through the process of subscribing everyone in Google Calendar, they'll just get notified through Slack. So I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, but like that's kind of where I feel like, you know, I, I could be doing more, but now it's just glorified messaging for the whole group. But like, is that a bad thing, really? It's not bad, but could it have been done better in their face in Facebook? I think yeah, at this point, I, I kind of agree with you, but the only thing I really do like that Slack has over something like Messenger is that Google Drive integration. I think we as collagens are so reliant on the collaboration of Google Drive, so the ability to import Google Drive files um, and stuff like that makes it just one-upping Messenger app. Can you explain to me how the Google Drive functionality in Slack is better than just sharing a link? It downloads, it aggregates all the files too, and instead of posting the link, it's actually the document itself. But you still open it in a browser and edit the document. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think the one thing I really like is how it gives you that little preview of the document itself. And when you do, you're right, click open it, it takes you into the browser. But it does aggregate all the different links. And it treats them more like files than just links. And sometimes, for me, it's just a little bit more visual. As a tool. That's true. I like the way they represent it. Um, I, I've been very interested with the whole Facebook at work thing. Are you familiar with that? Uh, what is it exactly? So Facebook is building... Um, 
it is an app already in the App Store, but you have to be invited to use it. They make a separate version of their app for work, so like the whole company could create their own version of Facebook. It's exactly like Facebook, but everything on there is work-related. So your profile is set up for work, the groups are all for work, the newsfeed is all updates on the projects, and you know it's everything you know and like, hopefully like, about Facebook, Facebook, but specific for work. So all the features, everything else, it, the only difference is the color scheme is like dark blue instead of light so blue. It's a more serious business blue, okay? Exactly. <laughs> Um, so like I think that's really cool because I read a really interesting piece by Vlad uh, Savo. I think yeah, from name. The Verge. Okay. And I thought it was like a really interesting take on social media. If you look at uh, Twitter or Facebook or even Instagram, um, Instagram is like unlimited photo backup at a certain size. If you look at it without the social aspect, like mm-hmm. Twitter could be a really great diary entry. You could search them all by a certain category with a hashtag. Mm-hmm. Um, the limited 240 characters, which is a feature or a con depending on how you look at it, but that's, you know, that's the core product. Um, Facebook is like the ultimate way to, you have unlimited photo storage. You have um, a messaging platform, which is like outside of social, I consider it. Um, you can like again have like that diary feature, a limited way to just store notes to yourself. Like there's so much complexity and power in these applications. You could you could have a bunch of applications running inside of Facebook too. Like yeah, you know. So if you take the social out of Facebook and put it specifically for work, you have a very powerful application. Yeah. That is in a lot of ways what Slack is. Like they do essentially the core yeah, things. Yeah, they do. You share data. They have apps that plug into them. Um, Facebook's getting there with the bots, so they'll be like head and head with Slack, and that's really what I think is most interesting about yeah. the bots. That's what Slack has over it right now, but Facebook is adding that you know, with the messenger side of things. So, like, that's super interesting to me. So, I don't know. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I think there's only the only thing that Facebook has against it, which is the funniest thing, is its biggest its biggest benefit. It's its name recognition, right? That's true. So, like, the culture of work or, like, the whole idea of Facebook is like, this casual sharing with my friends. So, Facebook brands it and it still has that Facebook logo. Do you think people... Do you think it'll be too much of a cognitive load for them to switch on and off between that? I'm on Facebook for work. I'm on Facebook for this. The same where we're like, I don't trust Facebook with my money. I trust this other company. And I think that's where Slack kind of gets its value. And companies like Salesforce, too, have implemented their own versions of social as well. They have their own, I think, Chatter, which is like their equivalent of Twitter. And they do build this kind of social network between um, between uh, divisions in a company. I totally agree with you. I think having an application for business communication as opposed to just an application like Facebook is a great idea, um, but to kind of play devil's advocate, how many projects do you have right now or groups that do work that are based on Facebook? That are based on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. I don't have, like, there I don't think no it would be a problem for it's me. It's the same application. Um, I think it's a little bit different since we are college students and we're very reliant on Facebook, but, like, if you're in a corporate environment, like, I can even ask you during an internship, would you be comfortable, like, for you or someone, like, your mom's age or someone in the middle, are they going to be comfortable with doing something like that, using yeah. Facebook as a product? That's true. I totally agree. Like, I don't disagree, but that's my biggest question if this is going to succeed as a product. And then we haven't even gotten to, like, you know, the rat's nest of Microsoft yeah. <laughs> and uh, Cisco web services. But I, I think it's really interesting how those services are playing out, especially in the productivity space. Yeah. We can dive deeper into this idea where, like, when companies make software for enterprise, they focus so much on making this for corporate that they lose sense of the product. That's true. And now a lot of these software companies that have been B2C are now shifting into B2B, which is really great because then you get a better user experience. Um, you get a better overall vision of what the product should be instead of like this really bloated thing that IT has to take care of. That's a really excellent point because they design for enterprise people who presumably are you know IT literate, computer literate, whereas when you're designing for consumers, you're assuming they don't know what's going on. So the design of Facebook like is really great for a messaging platform. Like you know, It works really well for hundreds and billions of people. But something else might not. Like, uh, we used Jive or whatever I was last summer, and it was awful. And, like, yeah, just moving on, like, uh, my company used Skype a lot. We didn't even use Skype for business. It was just standard Skype. And uh, my feelings on Skype are mixed. Um, I feel like it's a very – a lot of its old roots show in it. And I've had a lot of inconsistencies and issues with, like, me leaving a group and it coming back, me having issues loading messages, me having issues with the search history. I'm not sure if I was just unlucky using Skype. Um, but I don't really use it for anything else outside of what I had to do for work. I will say you've had bad luck with Microsoft services. <laughs> yeah, like, is it just me? Because I try them honestly. I've even tried like OneDrive and stuff or SkyDrive beforehand and the live editing. I've had issues. I'm not sure if like I'm on a list somewhere. I'm wondering <laughs> if I can be removed somehow. If I can, you can tell me on Twitter at Candice Poon. Uh, but I legitimately try these products. I always get burned. I tell people and then they're like, oh, it's because you love Apple so much. <laughs> try them all. This is what happens. 
I um I'm not a big video chat guy, so you know, bear that in mind. Uh, when I was working, we used WebEx, which is definitely not a consumer-facing product. Um, Skype versus Hangouts, I guess. Hangouts is way easier to set up. You just need a browser. Um, well, I guess one with Flash, right? Or can you do it in any browser now? I think you can. I don't know. Certain I, features, I think you need Chrome. I usually rely on Chrome. Um, the only My only issue with Hangouts is I think they were so confused with their vision of what it was in parallel to Google Voice, and it's entangled so many of those features that it's hard to explain even if you're completely in the Google universe. True. I guess that's the beauty of something like Facebook Messenger where it's just like simple video chat or FaceTime or anything like that. Um, Skype for me has always been like, in terms of call quality, the most consistent. Yeah. Like, calls are very good, even on poor networks. Um, you know, it's very good at keeping the connection and trying to keep it good both ways. I have known a lot with groups and stuff, so um, that'd be interesting to hear from. But for that reason, I keep Skype around, you know, yeah. whenever I'm um, long distance away from friend or friends or family. It's the best way to connect that i found. It's the most consistent. Uh, FaceTime has been pretty good, too, but... That's not really quite as yeah. uh, group oriented. So yeah, and Skype like Skype is that legacy one. I think they're one of the first to actually use that type of technology to allow for consistent voice calling. And it was one of those where you could pay money to a company and have long distance calling. So once mm-hmm. again, going back to those roots where we had to call people in Canada and stuff like that too, I still have a lot of legacy credit within Skype that makes me use it. Mm-hmm. At this point, I kind of wish I could kind of just delete it off my phone and use Hangouts, but I have like ten dollars that I haven't finished using in about yeah. five years, and so that's another reason why I keep Skype on my phone as well. I think I actually have like a repeatedly filling balance of Skype credits every month for my Office 365 subscription. Have you ever used it to call out? I think I used it once. Like I want to make a prank call or something to a friend, so I use my like ten minutes, hundred minutes a month or something. It's interesting too because I don't like it. Last time I tried calling out of it, it always assigns a different number. Like the way that they handle technology, it's it's not like Google Voice where you're assigned a standard American number and you always call out from it. Mm-hmm. So a couple of times when I was on study abroad and I had to call my dad, um, each time he wouldn't answer the first time because he doesn't like answering phone numbers from weird zip codes. And every time I kept calling, <laughs> I called from a different one until he finally picked up and he was like, I don't know what's happening. And I was like, oh, I'm just calling from a thing. And he was like, don't. <laughs> so the next couple of times when I called him, I used Google Voice because like, you get assigned a phone number and it's the same one. So I just told him, like, add this number to your phone book. It's my second number. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So you kind of talked about this with Skype, but um, I feel like, the, you know, we get these vestigial appendages in applications. That's a good way to put it, I guess. Yeah. Where we've had them. We were invested. We're not really anymore. Um, and two that kind of in mind, although they are still used, um, GroupMe and WhatsApp. What are yeah. your thoughts on like the future of those applications? I, I don't know. It's interesting. I think, I think the U.S. is going to follow that same model that a lot of other countries have. And what I'm saying is, I think Facebook Messenger is trying to be what is to the U.S. as Kakao Talk, as Line, as uh, WeChat is to all these other countries. There's like this one predominant chat that dominates all of the subculture, and I think Facebook is getting a lot closer than a lot of these chats. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember a time when GroupMe was big. You remember Kik? K-I-K yeah. was big. Of course, WhatsApp. The Kik still has a following, but it's not like Facebook yeah. Messenger. I'm not on it, so I don't know. A lot of older people I know are still on WhatsApp, just from legacy, because it's set up and people still use it, and it's used throughout the world. Is WhatsApp 100% free now, or is it still like the dollar a year? I think it's completely free now. Uh-huh. I think they really only implemented that before they were bought up by Facebook, so they didn't know how they were going to maintain their mm. infrastructure. Mm. Um, but it's interesting. I don't use them. I know actually a couple of groups on campus that rely on GroupMe, and I still see people using it and stuff. But for me, if I had to start a whole new graph, I would never download a new app. I would just be like, let's go on Messenger, or mm-hmm. let's do, or let's do Slack. Yeah, I still have some GroupMe groups. Um, most of the times when we use them, it's because one person doesn't have a smartphone or something, which is rare in 2016. Oh yeah, but I forgot that. If one person has a smartphone, GroupMe is the way to go because you can SMS in. Which is, again, killer feature of iMessage, but yeah. they don't have an iPhone, so that's what we end up going with. Imagine someone signed up for that, forgetting that they actually had an SMS limit. You remember back in the day where you had to pay for, like, 500 texts a month? Imagine, yeah. like, how many you could go through. Just yeah, Groupie Groupie. would destroy you. But for, like, smartphone to dumb phone communication in a group, GroupMe is great. So, like, in that one sense, it is the best. And I think it's the only application that really caters to that market. So, yeah. for, like, my res life staff, we had to use GroupMe. Oh, really? Um, okay. Groupme is like, you know, it's good. They have a good web interface. But I agree. It's like it doesn't have the same um, – it doesn't have the emoji support. It doesn't have all the stickers. 
doesn't have any of the fun stuff that a lot of the other ones do. And no. not everyone's on it. So then you yeah. get into that awkward conversation where you ask, like, oh, are you on it? No. Oh, can you download it? And there's this whole barrier yeah. of entry. Well, actually, what GroupMe has going for it, you don't need to be on it. They can just be like, oh, well, let's text you, and then you'll be in it. And then you can download the app if you want, but you don't need oh, to. Oh, yeah. Right. So, so, you know, it's a totally different take on it, which is really interesting. I feel like Microsoft has poured more resources into Skype, which I can see why, but... I feel like GroupMe was a really interesting product and like it's still you know very viable just because of the idea. Um, so that's interesting. I don't know how long it'll stay on my phone for because I do agree it's going out, but mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I guess the two last things are the um, the up and coming stuff. And mm. so the first thing that we discussed was Peach, which was mentioned in our earlier episodes. Let me ask you, do you still use Peach? I don't. I check it every now and then. Um, that said, even though I don't use it, I think Peach is a little bit ahead of its time. Like, um, I think with the next app we're seeing here, like Peach has a lot of the underpinnings of what a good social network is. And I'll see Peach come out with features that are shortly thereafter um, mimicked by other social networks. Yeah. So I think Peach is a really interesting and a really smart application. And I feel like it might actually be ahead of its time. But right it's almost now, like the avant-garde social network where it's like these concepts and like you want to be like an idealistic sense of what society will be one day or what apps will be. Um, but like no one's going to use it at this point because it's so out of sync of what we're used to. Yeah. And like I feel like we're not quite at the point where, you know, for, for a small social network, I feel like sharing publicly is key. Like Facebook now, it's almost uh, not, in, not in vogue to post. But when you're new, posting has to be in vogue because then people see that you're using it. And with Peach... You know, if your network's small, you see that it's small. Like, there's only, like, one or two updates a day. That's not the kind of content that gets you going back all the time. Yeah. Um, so it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, if Peach could just get big overnight, it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But it's just not big enough as is. I still see people using it. So, mm-hmm. like, there's hope. And I think Peach is one of the smartest social networks out there, the way they're integrating features. But I don't use it still. Uh, yeah. I think it still could really explode if it had that one night of overnight success or, like, one main feature to get people on it. Um, otherwise than that, like I actually have officially now deleted it off my phone. Ooh. I had it on my phone for a while. I wasn't checking it. Um, yeah. I usually keep my second page on my iPhone for apps. I'm just testing out. And then I go usually go through and try to delete things that I don't use. And Peach kind of got cut the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so unless something happens, unless I read an article in the New York Times about how everyone's on Peach, I don't think I'll be downloading it anytime soon. Um, but to talk about one thing that kind of did kind of explode overnight, and it's funny because we actually had you download it before the podcast, is an app called Down to Lunch. Uh-huh. Um, and so I only heard about it in the beginning because someone sent me a text, like a standard it was like invite code thing, and I was like, oh, I don't want this. But after finding out what the app does, um, pretty much it is you invite all your friends via phone number, and they get added to the database. And there's like, this really simple status message where you say, like, I want to eat. And then you sign uh, friends to this group. You say, well, I want you with lunch with all my friends from TTT. Uh, and then you say uh, the time or no, the location. Mm-hmm. And so it falls perfectly into a college uh, campus. I can even think of my freshman year where everyone would always eat at the dining hall, but you wanted to go with a group of friends. And so I'm sending a million messages on Messenger or we used to find my friends on iOS for a while. You can kind of just set this really quick status, get responses from people and then continue. And it's, kind of whimsical looking it's like very early snapchat looking they use a lot of emojis but i like it i don't take it that seriously though yeah and you know i feel like that's the beauty of it like when i think about it google i feel like made an app like this i know microsoft has made at least two apps where it's like get to know what your friends are doing i don't have apple you said find my friends and stuff like everybody's tried this and had limited you know varying degrees of success you could say facebook did originally with like the status and everything yeah but, but there's something about this app like almost looking like it's broken for lack of a better yeah. word like the style is like ios four or five yeah. giant bulky buttons it's not even optimized for the larger iphones it looks humongous on my iphone 6s plus but like you know what i mean like there's almost something tongue-in-cheek about like hey don't use this app just make the plans and then like get there and like i i don't know why i like it but i do like it too like it's it's funny almost yeah exactly and i think the funny thing is i think a lot of us feel that way and we're gonna just start using it as a joke but i think it's gonna snowball until when people are actually gonna use it for the functionality yeah it's very like snapchat-esque but like it has the aesthetic of a of peach yeah which is like a very weird sentence to say that you couldn't say until 2016 but <laughs> i use it a couple times a day already like just doing it as a joke but then like i did find out that people were more willing to have lunch and i was like oh my god this is the exact functionality that i needed and truthfully most of the messages i send to a lot of the group chats i'm part of are just like does anyone want to eat 
does anyone go to the library? I'm here right now. And, like, it used to be where you would use it for Facebook, right? Did you ever, like, use Time Hop and, like, see all the dumb statuses you would yeah, post? Yeah, Um, Like, now I could never imagine posting something like, eating, eating a sandwich right now, waiting for my friends. But, like, down to lunch is, like, so less pressure now that I'm willing to use it and post those kind of things. That's true. I think, you know, this kind of goes back to, if we had put a theme to the night, there's all these apps and services, and at the end of the day, most of the things we talk about do the exact same thing. They just send text back and forth. Sometimes pictures, sometimes videos, but you're sending information back and forth. And the reason we have so many is they each kind of serve a different purpose. And I think uh, down to lunch is like filling that void of like, you know, it's posting a message and it's all, it's one to many like Snapchat, but it's like, it's like a Snapchat story, but for what you're doing almost. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's so clunky to respond. People aren't going to write big paragraphs, which is perfect because you don't want a conversation. You just the biggest like, issue is you're trying to schedule you. plans and then a group chat goes nuts with yeah. all this functionality, all these gifts and all these things. This reduces it back to the, the basic, like, what is the end goal? The funniest yeah. thing, I'm not sure if you know about Down to Lunch, is when you do invite a group of five people, if you're the host, it's not a group chat. It's individual chats. Really? So the people can only respond to you individually. And I got, I heard people criticize that functionality. I kind of love it. Yeah. Because once great. you throw people into a group, especially if they're very comfortable with each other, it's just going to transpire into something else. Oh, yeah. And, like, I hate when you're making plans and then one person is like, oh, I'm out. And then the next person assumes because they're, they're like, oh, well, I'm out too because I want to hang out with them. Yeah, and it's like, exactly. You are, like, single-handedly ruining these plans. Yeah. And but and also makes the host, like, the definitive leader, right? Like, I've chosen this location. I'm choosing this activity. Yeah. And you can, like, you can respond to me if you're into it. And, like, it almost has, like, this sense of confidence where people won't drop out easily like that yeah. in a chat. No, I like that. I think it's a really good dynamic for making the plans, and it makes the dissemination of information, you know, much easier. If the if somebody else has something important to say, the host can just say, "Oh, change the time." Everybody sees it. I think it's really smart. I think it's really interesting too. Yeah. And like, it's really hot right now. It's high up on the App Store, which Peach never was. Yeah. So I'm interested to see. There's even people who are not very into technology. Like just all over college campuses, you'll see like everyone on my phone book. There's like five, six, seventeen mutual friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. One last one uh, that Selena just remembered. Well, this is a good one. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mitomo, which is a social network, probably the most interesting social network I've ever seen. It also got the cut on my phone with Peach. Ooh. Those both went. Um, I downloaded it after you recommended it. I heard, I read some things on like MacStories.net. Um, I just don't really get it. And there was something about it. I think it might be like the very social Japanese aspect. It, it was kind of creepy. Like the music was really creepy. Yeah. Um, I just didn't really like it. Um, I think it's interesting, and I'm really glad this is the first step of Nintendo really bringing a lot of their digital products onto iOS. Um, but how did you feel about it? Okay, I like it. I think it's a cool idea. That idea. That said, I haven't opened it in, like, a week. <laughs> um, but, like, I like the idea. Like, I think it's cool that Nintendo's game is a social network. Like, I like that idea of, like, the whole social network is very clearly a game. Like, yeah. nobody's trying to do anything serious on this. Yeah. It's so dumb. Like, very quickly, I noticed all my friends' answers went from very serious to, like, okay, you clearly made that up. Like, everything was a joke all of a sudden. Yeah. But that's kind of fun, too. And I noticed, like, they didn't filter either, which is kind of cool. So, like, my friends had pretty uh, vulgar, <laughs> uh, very funny answers. And, you know, like, that's that's cool. I think it was an interesting idea. I don't know if it's going to really catch on. I know a lot of people, though, are still using it, like, I was surprised how many people friended me. I think I hit like 20 oh, really? in like that okay. first week. So that was kind of cool. Like it caught on a lot. Um, I think the problem will be Nintendo's pace of like rolling out updates and stuff like that. Like if they added things at the rate that Snapchat did or Facebook Messenger yeah. and added like fresh features. Because the problem is once you ask people questions and answer questions, there's really not much else to do. There's no game other than just talking to people, yeah. which is fun to a point. But I think it gets old kind of quick. I think it, um, this brings me way back, but like when the Nintendo DS was first released, you can only buy like three games. Like it was like Mario Kart, yeah. and there was one called Ping Ping Chat, and literally it was the same thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so the only point of the game was you could either connect to a friend who also, but probably didn't own a Nintendo <laughs> DS, or you talk to these bots, and then these bots would like you get coins and you get an outfit. Yeah. And like that was my least played game on my Nintendo DS. I wanted it for like the aspect of talking to the bots. And then it kind of just lost its. Yeah, but it it was cool and it was interesting. Yeah, it had that know. whimsy and stuff. I think like it remind it brings me back to the time where like, it, like when you connected with your DS and stuff like that, that network yeah. that they always try. Nintendo always has like, this way of giving it this this style that it's like you don't take it too seriously, but it's fun. Yeah, it was interesting. Like I I enjoyed it. It was a good 
expose into the social. <laughs> okay, so lastly, before we go, we've received some questions from our listeners, and in rapid fire fashion, we're going to rattle off these five questions before we sign off. Um, I'll ask you, then you ask me one back and forth. Yep, sounds good. Okay. What made you interested in technology as a kid? Um, I really love what technology can do to improve someone's life. I think that's been the overarching theme about why I love technology. And so even in the beginning when I watched Power Rangers, which was my favorite show, the things that the people wore on their wrist allowed them to communicate back to the mothership and also allowed them to transform. So I think that kind of spurred my love of gadgets and then it kind of rolled into technology as a whole. Interesting. For me, it was probably um, either the movie The Iron Giant, uh, something with Transformers, or my Nintendo GameCube. Each of those, which is a very different look because that's like robots destroying people, robots saving people, <laughs> or me playing as a robot in a video game. But um, I really thought that was cool, and I didn't get a lot of tech early on, so like there's always this lust for tech. Oh, also, I guess my parents had Windows PCs all around the place, so like at a very young age, I was using Windows 98, Windows 95, so I guess that too. That exposure. Mm. All right. What is your favorite web browser, and uh, do you uh, have any favorite extensions that you use that you can't live without? Favorite web browser? Oh. Uh, right now, I use Safari for the battery life, but Chrome is my favorite. Um, the extension that I can't live without is the developer tools, because <laughs> when I do web dev, that's the best. Yeah. Um, that said, I'm really interested by what Opera just added, so I'm going to try that out. But my web browser extensions are pretty boring. I just use an app blocker, and that's it. Uh, same for me. I was using Chrome for a really long time, and I switched to Safari for the battery life because my poor MacBook Pro has terrible battery life. Um, I go back to Chrome for web development because I love the web developer tools. Um, I also love an extension called Stay Focus, which gives you an allotted like t uh, time that you can go on your favorite websites that are on a blacklist, and then after that amount of time, it blocks you out. Um, I use that a lot if I feel like I'm getting very distracted. Mm -hmm. So thoughts on the Amazon Echo family of devices? I think it's really great how they opened it, and I'm surprised about the success, but I'm not going to purchase one. I'm hoping that Apple releases their equivalent because I don't want to get invested in that ecosystem knowing I'm already pretty much ne neck down into something else. That's true. That's the weird thing about voice assistants. You feel loyal to one once you have it because they like people, which is kind of weird. I think they're really cool too, though. I would definitely get one, and I think it's a really interesting space for Amazon to be in, and I'm excited they're doing it because after the Fire Phone, I was a little nervous, but this seems really awesome. Um, what are your thoughts about Yik Yak and its future outlook? Yik Yak is cool. There are some cases where it's very useful. Like on Accepted Students Day, they were anonymously asking questions and getting pretty good feedback from the student body. That said, um, I feel like it's kind of like, uh, what was that website where you could post anonymous feedback? Ask FM. Or There's been like a million yeah. of them, but I feel like they're very short-lived. Pretty soon people realize it's the same thing. People are saying mean things to each other. It's, it's cool. It's bigger than some of those have been, but I don't know. They got to change something. Yeah, I think it's one. I think it's, it was in that same um, birth as like Snapchat, where it was really whimsical. But I think Snapchat had some really great product managers and leadership that kind of guided out of that type of product. I think GigGag has not been as fortunate, and that's where you see it kind of struggle, um, like many of the failed social networks that we see. It's not dead yet, and it could still come back, but yeah. it's, it has to evolve to be a, a yeah, more Yeah, there has been platform. some recent news about the struggles of the company overall, and it just makes, makes us both wonder where it's going to end up. Okay, uh, last one. Have you experienced Google Cardboard, and what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I experienced it a couple times. Um, what really spurred me to get more excited about it was I bought a really cheap headset in a random electronics market when I was in Hong Kong. Um, that also spurred me to get the Viewmaster made by Mattel, which I really love. Um, but I love the idea of Google Cardboard as like the ultimate denominator to get more people into VR and teach them what it is. And then that kind of brings them into like what the Oculus is going to be. But have you experienced Google Cardboard? I have indeed. I, uh, Google came to RPI and they gave out some sets, so I got a couple for free. I played around with it. I think it's really cool. I like, again, the, um, the, the um, ability to just give VR to anyone. It's so simple and easy, so I think it's cool. Um, I'm, I'd love to try something more high-end with VR. I think that's really exciting. Okay, so that's it for us. Thank you for enjoying episode 11. Um, you can listen to us on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Overcast, and now Google Play. We just got approved. We're pending our um, publication. So look for us on that if you're an Android user. Um, you can find us on our website, ticktechshow.com, and you can email us at ticktechtalkshow at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us at ticktechtalkshow on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at rrusso44, and Candace is at Candace Poon on Twitter. Uh, thanks so much. Please leave your feedback so we can hear from you, and have a nice day. Bye, guys. Bye.